sends a bottom to the ocean. Dig deep enough, you might find the potion. Live long enough, you might find the motion. The rhythm and precision that underlies commotion. The roots in my chest extend to my navel. Bridge to the dead, truth in the fables. Truth in the mysteries told around the campfire. Night's approaching, I can see the lamps tired. Flame flickering, tipsy with the vintagen. Light and dark mixing him, deep in the abyss of him. Trace the spine of a question mark to the answer. Cop out the sickness, kill the cancer. Hey everyone and welcome to the Iron Will podcast. I chose the name Iron Will after reading the definition. The definition of Iron Will is a burning determination that cannot be stopped or hindered by anything. Willing to do anything to get a desired outcome. Extremely resilient. I feel like that's important because those are the types of people that we're going to be interviewing on this show. We happen to have someone like that with us today. He's my personal trainer and good friend and future co-host of this podcast. He's a father of six girls. He's got an incredible story. So without further ado, John Chase. All right. Thanks, Shane. Yeah. just want to get a shout out to Shane because he is definitely the definition of iron will <laughs> as well. And uh, so it, it makes a ton of sense that, that uh, he wants to do this and inspire so many of you out. All right. So yeah, I'm John Chase. I am a movement efficiency coach. So uh, currently that's what I do. I train people, coach people in how to move more efficiently so that their bodies are can function better uh, with less pain, less uh, injuries, and then create a more optimal body for uh, vibrant health. And where do you do this? So I run my own gym right now. Okay. Uh, it's called Chase Movement, and uh, just implied in the name, man, we chase we chase movement. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, your story kind of starts at the beginning of your life. So I think that's where we want to start is just where you're, you grew up and okay. how you grew up. Okay. All right. Um, I was born in Michigan, and uh, shortly after I was born, we actually moved to a polygamous colony. <laughs> yeah, we did. And uh, stayed there for a little while. Um, my, my father was into that and he, he wanted to have a second wife. We stayed there for a year and a half, maybe two years, uh, as, as I was just a little kid and they, my father didn't find another wife and my mom couldn't handle it anymore. So it's, it's pretty much like I'd rather have one wife than, than zero. Yeah. So we left and, uh, from there moved on. We moved a lot, a lot as a kid. And uh, there was a lot, there was typically a lot of turmoil going on. Um, there was some abuse that went on, neglect, and not necessarily just from my parent, parents, but from, from other people. In, that, the, uh, in the political. Oh, well, yeah, in the polygamous area, yeah, there was, okay. there, was, there was definitely some abuse that went on. It was not the best place for yeah. us, and that's for sure. So once we moved, we moved on from there, uh, we didn't get away from that kind of stuff. There was there was always uh, some things that went into our home that probably should not have been there when it comes to influencing a child's mind. Yeah. Um, but we'll fast forward just a little bit up to age nine. Okay. Age nine, uh, we'd, we'd already moved multiple times up to that point. In fact, I've never lived anywhere for more than four years. And... Uh, I, where I currently live right now, I'm on the fourth year. So this is the, <laughs> and, it, and I'm 38 years old. So this is the first, yeah. <laughs> this will be the longest I've ever lived if I live here for three more months. <laughs> so so um, <clears throat> anyways, nine years old uh, was the first time I drank alcohol. Uh, and that, and yeah. why do you think you drank the alcohol? Was it to 
escape from your current situation? Was it just pure pressure or? No, actually, no pure pressure there. In fact, I was probably one pressuring my other friends. Yeah. Um, as a nine-year-old, I had already had a lot of, uh, I had already been introduced to a lot of different things. We're talking pornography, uh, lots of violence. I watched lots of, uh, you know, violent movies, um, you know, lots of drinking, drugs, things like that. That so, kind of stuff went on in my home. So it was just pretty much because you could do it? Yeah. And, and, and uh-huh. your parents weren't, like, watching what you were doing here? So if we want to get really truthful, they were gone. Yeah. Um, they were gone every weekend. And this isn't the episode we'll get into why they were gone every weekend. <laughs> we were unsupervised lots, lots yeah. of times. And there were 10 kids in my family. My older sisters were typically gone for the weekend as well. They would leave, and uh, us younger kids would be left there trying to figure out what to do. So we would, we would you know, go steal things and pull batteries apart and burn the floor, and, <laughs> and we did all sorts of crazy things in the house. But one time, we just got this idea. I'm like, hey, see that old man over there? There's some guy walking through. He probably wasn't old. He's probably like, he's probably closer to my age now, but I yeah. thought he was old, right? I'm like, you see that dude over there? He's carrying two cases of of, uh, of beer, and he set one down, or he set them both down, yeah. and then walked to his house. He was going like through a, through the uh, the field, and uh, we saw him set him down, and we're like, why did he leave him there? So I ran over to to where he was at, and he's like, oh, I left my my beer down down in the in the the field. Could you guys go get that for me? And we said, yeah, sure. So we brought him one Ooh. back and kept the other one and told him, you must have only bought one. Yeah. So we stole it from him. And between four of well, eight, Yeah, go ahead. That was kind of, uh, he owed you, right? No, he actually did. He gave each of us a beer. So he yeah. already did that. Oh, yeah. There were four of us. So he double paid. Totally, yeah, totally. So we ended up having, that would be 16 beers that we shared between four little yeah. nine-year-olds and there was puke everywhere of yeah, course oh, you could kind I of can you can imagine you can imagine the rest of the yeah. story right there um but that was the beginnings that was the beginning of some some addictions that i ended up having for quite a long time yeah. um at a very early age we, what were you nine nine years old nine years old and you talk and about he's already on the path to being addicted to alcohol pornography and smoking oh, yeah. Or, so yeah. so time I drank weed I was 9 or well, let's see 11 11 when I first drank we- or smoked weed <laughs> and uh I tried all sorts of things we we yeah we did all sorts of stuff so the biggest thing was that I, I kind of wanted to cover was that as a develop a developing mind um your prefrontal cortex doesn't even fully develop until you are in your 20s. And, you know, they say the legal age in the United States is 21 to drink alcohol, but, you know, even then, the the prefrontal cortex doesn't even fully develop until you're about 25 yeah. for most men. And as a male at nine years old, that prefrontal cortex, that is – that's your decision-making make, center, yeah. okay? So if you drink before that time and it doesn't have enough time to de- fully excuse me, um, develop, then you end up with uh, not being able to make decisions well at all. Yeah. That everything will be emotional, no rationality. Um, you basically are, are, are making all of your decisions like, like you would, like a nine-year-old, as you age. So the younger you drink, the younger you consume substances that are damaging that part of your brain, you end up with, uh, you could end up with a lot of issues. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into the, the rest of the story and how I came out of that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so let's fast forward to 12, 12 okay. years old. That's the next big event. Uh, when I was 12, for my birthday, my father gave me, and God rest his soul, I love him. You know, I, we, we resolved all this stuff, so... I'm not saying anything negative about him, but at the time he was going through a lot of stuff. And uh, for my birthday, he gave me a bag of weed, a case of alcohol, a whole case. Yeah. And then um, 
a box of porn. And it was all the old porn that he didn't want anyways. Yeah. And uh, that was like me and my brother was like, hey, here's your, here's your birthday presents for this year. And we hadn't even seen him for probably a year. Um, and up he to that just point. shows up with a box yeah. of porn and a, oh, uh, alcohol and... And some weed. Yeah. And I know, you know, people are... are there, there's some therapeutic uses for, for uh, um, marijuana and things like that. And I, I, I understand that. But at a, as a teenager... Well, you I, just, I think if you smoke too young, you um, can damage your brain. You can brain. totally damage yeah. your brain. Yeah. Uh huh. And smoking anything, I don't care what oh, it yeah. is. Smoking anything is not good for your lungs. Cigarettes are <clears throat> even worse, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So that was twelve. By the time I was thirteen, I was I was drinking as often as I could, and uh, the this experience was one of the the hardest experience I ever, I ever went through. So it started. It was a Friday night. We decided to go out drinking. Uh, I I would commonly drink with my my siblings and their friends. Most of my so, friends were too young. Sorry, how many brothers and sisters do you have? So I I I have nine, okay. other than me. One has passed away, and we were actually, I mean, we were drinking buddies when we were teenagers. Yeah. But she she passed away before she turned thirty, uh, from stomach cancer. And are you all pretty similar in age? So we're all about two years apart, okay. just straight down the line. Yeah. My mom was either pregnant or nursing for 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> Poor lady. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's turned out pretty well. You know, she's, she's actually quite healthy now yeah. for, for what she went that's, through. And that's really Especially good. what she went through with my father and, and just the, the mental uh, kind of stuff that she went through. So uh, was there like abuse between your father and mother? So... It really was um, more psychological okay. abuse. My my dad, he was actually a major. He took uh, psychology for in college. Um, that's what he majored in, and then he uh, had a minor in math. Uh, very smart, intelligent man. Yeah. But not when it came to even common sense. Yeah. You know, um, he gave into his addictions a lot, and uh, he was a sex addict. And uh, he went to to things to try and help that, and he eventually got my mom involved, and uh, convinced her to be a swinger yeah. uh, for a little while. And they they did that for a while. They practiced that kind of stuff. They were a part of multiple religions. I mean, they tried tried out all sorts of things. Some stuff that looked pretty freaky, and uh, <laughs> that us kids witnessed. Um, but then other things. I mean, you know, there there were times where. Like there was a closeness, so we kind of experienced everything growing yeah. up. I did, um, but the hardships were because of what I was introduced to at, at such, such a, a young, young age, age yeah. and then not really stopped. Yeah, there was no no one that really said, "Hey, you should put that down." Yeah, like what are you doing? And that's the the type of thing that I've had to overcome. Um, Psychologically, I've had to overcome a lot as an adult to to not let that kind of stuff be an excuse for me to uh, to move on. You know what I mean, and to be strong and resilient. And uh, so, so we're gonna go right back to thirteen, okay? So, if, if you want to hear this story, we're we're good, and we can we can discuss any of them. I have a timeline of a lot of different yeah ones. So, uh, thirteen years old. It was Friday night. We go out drinking. There was a drinking spot up in the mountains. We, uh, I had, um, and this was Utah or this was where? in Utah. This okay. was near Elsinore, Utah, or down by Richfield. If okay. any of you guys know where Richfield, Utah is, it was in the mountains <laughs> in that area, and uh, small, small town, small county. The whole place is small, and uh, but there was a big heart that grew out of there, and that was me. <laughs> Anyways, so we we went up the canyon, you know, and and uh, I think I had. Um, to myself, I had a whole case of Keystone, the large ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and it's gross, <laughs> it's disgusting beer. But uh, I, um, I drank ten of them by myself and and gave two away to somebody else. And I was talking to someone. I don't even know who she was, but we were talking, and 
somehow I could understand her because she was slurring and I was slurring. Yeah. I was only 13. I probably only weighed 120 pounds. <laughs> so already 10 beers was yeah, just put me under, load. right? Yeah. So there I am, um, already that, that drunk. And my brother-in-law was like, hey, let's go, let's go down to, uh, to our place. We have some other stuff. And I'm like, okay, sweet, let's go. And I, I remember crawling through the part of the river because I lost the trail to get back to his Jeep. Anyway, so I'm soaking wet. I get into the back of his Jeep. He actually wouldn't let me sit in the, in the actual, uh, you know, back of the seats. So he throws me in the back of the actual Jeep, you know, the back end. And, uh, I'm tossing around in there. We're listening to smashing pumpkins. And, uh, this was the nineties, you guys. And, uh, listening to smashing pumpkins. And then we make it down to my other buddy's house. And there I had four shots of plum rum. Yeah. <clears throat> on top of those 10 beers. And, Probably a mistake. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the, the worst. The worst is yet to come. So so we drink there, and then we move on to another place. And this is all timeline probably happened in, the, in like two hours, right? So I drank all this in probably under two hours. And uh, we get to the next place, my sister's, my sister's place. And she uh, had a friend we named Crazy Carrie. <laughs> name was Carrie, but she was literally crazy. You guys, she was crazy. And, um, and, uh, she could drink anybody under the table. So she challenges me to a drinking contest, taking advantage of this bad kid. mistake. Yeah, this kid that's You're already, already totally drunk. 10 beers in and a freaking <laughs> rum. Yeah. And- oh man. So she's like, she's like, I got, I got what you need. And I'm like, I'm a bring on. Let's do this. Right. And, uh, she, she pulls out 151 proof Bacardi rum. Yeah. Uh, it's 75% alcohol. I mean, I've seen people take a half a shot and be drunk. And she pours me nearly eight ounces, <laughs> eight ounces, and then Ugh. a little bit of orange juice, and then pours herself some and some orange juice. And she's like, okay, whoever passes Let's out first. Let's do this. And I, I didn't, even, didn't even set it down. The whole thing. That's the last thing I remember till the next day. So I blacked out. They said I had I was headbanging for a while to some Nirvana, which was my favorite band at the time, and and uh, and then I just passed out. And that was before the party started. So th- this was all pre yeah. pre party, which was common for me to get totally wasted before the party started, and then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Hey, where's everybody?" And they're like, "They all left, dude. You because you just took too long, right?" So. The next day, this is where it all, it all gets got a little crazy, as if that wasn't crazy enough. So the next day, I, I wake up, and I'm not sick. I was expecting to just start yeah. puking and puking, and I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm still drunk. This is weird. And I'm like, what, what's going on? So I, uh, I kind of go throughout the day. A few hours go by. I'm feeling really weird. Um, still kind of drunk. It starts to wear off towards the towards the end of the day, and then you get and, the hangover. Oh, it was horrible, <laughs> and it wasn't just like any hangover you've ever. Oh man! So I started every heartbeat felt like pounding on my on every nerve in my all the nerves in my body. It was like pounding effect, like this, like yeah. that, just pounding in my whole body's I'm conv- in convulsions, right? And uh, it, the sun starts to go down, and I'm sitting in my mom's room. Nobody's, nobody's there. I invited a friend over. Nobody's there. And my friend's like, dude, what's going on, dude? You're, like, sweating. But I was cold. I was having cold sweats. Yeah. And uh, I started going pale, and he's like, dude, you look like you're dying. And I'm like, I don't f- I, dude, I don't feel good. So I call up my sister, and as I'm on the phone with my sister to come and pick me up, I saw... I started hallucinating. And this is because the alcohol was actually yeah. in, my, in my bloodstream to the point where it wouldn't even matter to pump my stomach. It had been too long. That's so crazy. And uh, I started hallucinating. I saw demons out my window. <laughs> I saw spiders coming, crawling down the, the, the walls. And of course, I start freaking out. I'm yelling. I'm screaming. You know, and my, my buddy, who had never drank in his life, he's like next to me. And he's like, dude, what is going on? Like, yeah. What is wrong with you? And, uh, so he, um, you know, he grabs the phone and he's like, he tells my sister, you really need to come and pick him up. And this was the sister that ended up passing away later. 
And uh, she's like, okay, I'll send two eagles over, who's this Native American dude that, that she was uh, hanging out with. And That was his name, Two, two eagles. eagles. Yeah, yeah, Two Eagles. <laughs> he was part of the Kickapoo tribe. Dude, the guy, the guy was an interesting fellow. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I learned some stuff from him but <clears throat> about the, the ways of, of life, right? But anyways, he came, he came and picked me up, and we went back over to his place or where he was staying at the time. And uh, he's like, we got to get this out of your body. So I'm drinking. He, he had me drinking like uh, a whole bottle, like a whole huge bottle of tomato juice and uh, anything he could get into my body to try and throw it up. Well, here's the thing. Things were coming out the other end. They were not throwing up. And it got worse and worse. The symptoms got worse. I was literally like, constant shakes, constant, just the whole night. My sister had to rub my feet all night. Then the next day, same thing. It didn't go away. Yeah. Four days go by. Okay. Four days go by. I'm That's being a long time to be sick yeah. from alcohol. And yeah. So if you've ever seen the movie tombstone, doc holiday, you know, right before he, he dies. Yeah. Or he that's how he looked. Cause that movie had out just right around the same time. <laughs> so you so had like, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I look like Val Kilmer. <laughs> right. And uh um and uh so four days go by. And this was the part that I feel like everybody feels is the hardest. Is that finally I get to this point where I'm starting to feel better. And my oldest sister calls calls me up. Uh, she calls the house that I was at, and she says, she's like, where, where are you? Um, I can't seem to find you. And I said, well, I'm, I'm with Emily. And, and she's like, well, yeah, I'm calling there, and you're, you're, you seem to be like, uh, you know, so I'm hearing that you're sick. And so I tell her the story yeah. and everything, and she's like, oh, wow, so I'm going to call mom. So she calls my mom, which my mom hadn't even contacted me up to this point. Yeah. So she that's, calls up my mom. That's and, crazy. And she says, she's like, do you know where Jonathan is? And I'm like. Or, and she's like, oh, no, he's probably out with his friends, probably hiking somewhere. And my sister was like, Mom, your son has been gone for almost five days, and he's nearly dead, and you don't even know. She's like, I don't know what else she said to her, but I'm sure it was something along the lines of, I hate you, yeah, yeah. and I'm coming down to pick him up. She hangs up the phone. She drives up down from Ogden, Utah, all the way down to Richfield. I mean, literally right then. Packs up my stuff. And and I leave, and I have n never lived with my my mother again. That's and what age were you? I was thirteen. Thirteen, and you are done with your mom. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't receive any help, anything like that. I had, and, from then and on, you I had lived to pay with for, your sister. Lived with my siblings. Yeah, I got passed around to a few different siblings. Okay. <laughs> and but, yeah. where um, did they all live? Pretty close together. So there were three siblings that lived up in Ogden, okay. um, Utah. And uh, that's where, yeah, I kind of got passed around for about three, let's see, four, almost four years. Yeah, they just do shifts. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Mostly lived with, the, with my oldest sister most of the time. Yeah. Kind of helped, you know, helped raise her boys and things like that. But uh, from that point, I, I, it didn't stop there. You would think, you'd, you'd think like, dude, kid you almost died stop yeah. drinking you and, think but kids are dumb see the thing <laughs> is is to to be honest i didn't feel like i had the emotional love or support yeah and you, you just didn't have someone to say it's okay you know yeah to take care yeah. of me so yeah. so it, you you kind of some some of the basic human human needs uh or one of them was one that was lacking yeah and that was um, the emotional support that you get from your parents. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that don't that uh, grow up e either with one parent or maybe neither, um, it it can be hard. There's like a void. There's something missing yeah. in their life. And I can tell you right now that it is possible to overcome that. Oh yeah. Um, I have. I'm I did. I overcame it all. There's multiple cases than which that's true oh yeah oh yeah yeah you can either you can either look back at your past and view it as as um like an excuse 
to, to not move forward and do the things that you know you need to do in your life, or you can look at it and use it as a tool to learn from yeah, and uh, to grow from yeah, and to accept that it was your life and it helped build you character. Um, so. so David Goggins talks about an accountability mirror. Mm-hmm. And so he, what he did or does is write stuff that he wanted to be accountable on his mirror. Sure. And he just focuses on that and says like an affirmation and sure. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. You want to hear what I, what I did then? Yeah. Okay. So, so how I, I did it. I didn't have anybody. There was no mentors, nobody yeah. to really tell and me what to do. And you're 13 years old. So that was 13 when I moved up to my sister's house. Yeah. From then on, there were lots of other experiences that happened. Um, oh, yeah. That one just had a huge imprint, and I feel like people need to know that. Um, but uh, by the time I was 19, um, I, was, uh, I was addicted to a lot of things, right? And I knew I needed to stop drinking, so there was a new addiction that came and it was pain. And uh, I, I started my own fight club. Yeah. And, and there, there's, there can be a healthy way to do that, but we did not do it the healthy <laughs> way. Imagine the movie Fight Club and see, think of how yeah. that turned out. So this was pre-Fight Club movie, though, oh. when we started our Fight Club. And uh, we just called it Tap Out, right? We had a basement that we used. There were concrete walls and a floor. And uh, we had all just beat each other up, yeah. you know, one after one, one after another, just, you know, someone would fight and then you'd get another couple people brawling and then another couple people brawling. And it, was it bare knuckle? It was bare knuckle, no gloves, nothing. I mean, I have a missing tooth. I, I, uh, I, luckily my nose isn't sideways, right? Look at <laughs> yeah. it. It's not sideways. Um, but I, I definitely have broken a couple noses, um, of, of other people. <laughs> but it kind of got to the point where it was an addiction. All of us troubled yeah. kids that just felt like we we needed feeling. That's really what it came from. I, I can get that. Yeah. Like that's another reason why people do drugs, you know? And luckily you weren't doing those kind of drugs. So Yeah. I I saw my siblings yeah. do pretty hardcore drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and I had friends that were into heroin and things like that. And I, I watched what it did yeah. to them and I never it's jumped into that. Really bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tried a lot of different things, but I never, I did not get into the really hardcore stuff. So that's good. Um, it was more like I was the person that wanted the adrenaline, the thrill, <laughs> the jumping off an 80 foot cliff, the, you know, I, that was the kind, yeah. of, kind of thing that I was I was after. I wanted that massive feeling. So I had a, like a hardcore metal band, <laughs> you know, screaming and, yeah. and thrashing on my bass and, you know, stuff like that. We we That was kind of the feeling that I was after because I felt like there was so much trapped anger and, and resentment that if I could just like get it out, it would make me feel better. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. At the time, it didn't. Uh, because I didn't know the proper way to release it. Yeah. You know, instead I kept drawing it to me. And that's how our life is. If you if you are constantly what you dish out, you get back. Yeah. Right? So if I'm constantly negative and I'm constantly putting out this anger and this violence, that's what I got back. Mm-hmm. And some people do that throughout their whole life and they never change from that. They do. And that is, in my opinion, the saddest people, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So here I am, 19 years old. I'm addicted to to pain and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, as a party gag, I would literally have, I would take a safety pin, those big, huge safety pins, and I'd poke holes and safety pin my lips together, Ugh. and uh, I'd put it, you know, put them through my eyebrows and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, wore bullets around my neck. I had my head shaved <laughs> in in six different pieces, so I had long hair in the front, like two long braids. <laughs> That were blonded at, because, you know, it was the 90s, man. We had like had to blonde tip our, yeah. our hair. This was the end of the 90s. But then uh, I shaved like horns on my head so it looked like I had horns <laughs> and I'd draw symbols on my on my head. That's funny. And, uh, 
um, you know, I was I was that that guy that that people were like, "Oh, stay away from him." Yeah. You know, but really, dude, I just wanted love. I just wanted someone to say they cared. Somebody to say, "Hey, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay." And uh, the stuff that you're doing, I mean, there's another way. It's just I didn't know there was another. And do you find yourself over? doing that with your own kids because never had it or well so so there's a couple there's i see what you're saying so there's a couple um parts to that kids need to build resilience yeah they need to build their own character they need to they need to um go through some of their own trials in order to build strength right to build strong character but at the same time they also need to know that you're there that they have your love and your support. Yeah. And that they need to hear the words, I love you. I never heard that growing up. Yeah. And my mom, I, I, you know, I love my mom. And there probably were times that she said it, but it wasn't enough that I don't remember. Yeah. It didn't stand out. It didn't stand it out at all. It wasn't at the right times. Right. The times that I when really you needed, needed it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I did have my older sister after I moved in with her, right? She she did take care of me. Uh, and at least she said you had to be home by by midnight. Yeah. And at least she said, hey, if you're going to do drugs, do them at my house. You know, at least it yeah. was like that. So, like, if you're going to party, have your friends come to my house. So I know you're not yeah. going to, like, overdo well, it and die somewhere. Well, that's way better than drinking because that's what you were doing. So it's way better than drinking on the street and oh, getting in it. In a wreck, and I would have gotten into so many other things oh, yeah. if I hadn't oh, been yeah. for her. For reals, I was already headed down that path, and uh, you know, I because my friends were coming to my house, my sister at least limited some of the stuff. She's like, "No, you're not bringing that hardcore stuff into our house." So, at least we had to do that. But um, so, how did I change? How did I overcome those kinds of things? I'm sure people are wondering if you're listening to this, what changed? Yeah, what changed me. So. Along this path, I had, I knew that there was something else. I just didn't know what it was. So I was in this constant search, right, for something. I met a girl that was the most beautiful person I had ever seen up to that point. Yeah. And a lot of people are motivated by by that. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of men change because of because of that. But uh, she was a major inspiration for me to change. But I also knew that I needed to do it for myself and not just for her. Mm-hmm. Because doing something just for someone else, it's not going to last. Um, so, you know, she was my girlfriend at the time. And I said, guess what? I'm going to do everything I can to change my life. I want to overcome all this stuff. I want to be a, a better person. And I know at some point I'm going to need to be able to provide um, for a family at some point. Yeah. And... uh even though at this time we hadn't even discussed like getting married, but, yeah. but still I, I was like, you know, I need to be the man that I know that I should be. And I didn't have that example. In fact, the example I had from my dad was what not to be. Well, I think that's sometimes the strongest ways to learn, mm-hmm. um, is by what not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can learn that from anyone. You can find certain things that they do that you don't like, and you can learn from them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I lo- that's that's exactly what I did, and I had that discussion with my dad. Yeah. So everybody knows, you know, I'm not downing on my parents at all. I love them. My dad passed away just just last year, and uh, before he passed away a couple years ago, we talked, and he said that he even asked me like, "How did you turn out? How did you?" Uh, it, literally, out of all the siblings. You have a beautiful wife, six daughters. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, how are you sane? Because for him, he had 10 kids. Yeah. And he couldn't keep himself sane. In fact, when I was 15, he was in the, the state hospital, uh, the, the, the mental institution, because he, he was suicidal and, and uh, was mentally unstable. Um, and uh, I said, well, Dad... How I the the starting of it was that I had the exact exactly the example of what not to be and that yeah. was you yeah and I know that sounds harsh but he was like y- you know what I get it it's I, I understand. it's 
extremely harsh, but it's extremely true. It is. I looked at what he had. I said, yeah. where does he live? Do I want to live there? No. What kind of what kind of lifestyle does he have? Do I want that? No. Does Is he still addicted to things? Yes. Do I want that? No. So I just basically did everything opposite. Yeah. Right? And uh, I had to search out my own mentors. I had to search out a lot of different things. I started reading tons of self-help books. Yeah. Um, started meditating, started af- doing affirmations. And uh, the whole reason why this got like so important for me to do this was because when I was 19, back to the 19 years old, I was diagnosed with, I went to a place and they, they said, hey, we'll help you get, you know, get a good job, get into school. Because um, I wanted to go to college, but I'd been kicked out of high school. So they were like, well, we can help you get into college, but yeah. you need to go to a therapist. You need to do all these things. And they said, well, um, you know, go, go to this place. We'll, we'll put you through some tests. So they put me through these tests. And all it showed was that I was clinically depressed. I had clinical depression. I had uh, borderline personality disorder and ADHD, ADD. Uh, and then they just wanted me to take some meds for it. Yeah. And I said, listen, I just got off drugs and I just got off of things. I don't want anything that like manipulates my mind at all. And those kind of drugs are the worst. Psychiatric drugs. Yeah. That's Um, what I, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd already seen what they had done to my dad. In fact, Mm -hmm. he ended up in the mental institution because of some of those. So crazy. And, uh, well, it's just because he, yeah. Anyways, I don't want to get into legalities of why you know that, but he he was worse. He said he was worse and more suicidal when he was on them. So he's like, yeah. I don't yeah, want to definitely. use them. I've heard that so many times. Oh yeah, yeah. So and and they've changed some of them. And I, I get it. If somebody out there has to be on one and it does work, and it literally is improving their life, and you're not well, getting the good. side effects, then good. Yeah. You know, it, Keep taking it. Yeah. So. But me, I knew there was another way. Yeah. So I told these people, I said, okay, listen, I don't want to take these drugs, but I still want help getting into college. And they said, well, here's the thing. We can, you kind of have to follow our protocol. I said, I'll, I'll go to the therapist. But I'll do all that kind of stuff. Take the drugs. I don't want to take drugs. So I've been studying on nutrition, exercise, positive thinking, and how it can change. My, your body, your mind, and how it can actually help you increase more dopamine, serotonin, all that kind of stuff naturally. So you're 19 at this point? Yeah. yeah. And this is what I was telling them. I'm like, listen, there is a way. That's uh, extremely grown up. Well, I've been through a lot up to yeah. that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> and most kids aren't even thinking that. No. You know? And uh, so anyways. That's why I said it's extremely grown up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So... Um, they made a deal with me. They said, okay, we'll put you on a trial that basically if you do better your first semester in college, if you do, you know, if you do well, then, and you, you document everything that you're doing to the T, then we'll take a look at your file and we'll see if we can, we can help you. And I said, okay. Yeah. So I get accepted into, I take the entrance exam, go into a, into my first semester into college and I'm taking all lower level classes because I'd been kicked out and I was lacking in credits. So the first whole year was or first whole semester wasn't wasn't even college credit. But anyways, I'm taking these classes and I'm documenting everything that I do from the time I wake up, exactly how much water I'm drinking, the food that I'm eating, the nutrition that I'm putting in my body. Yeah. This isn't just food, and you guys. That makes perfect sense on why you do what you do today. Yes, it does. <laughs> Even when you're 19, you're already in that mindset. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So I I wrote down exactly what exercises I did, everything, you guys, just the full schedule of everything, and I presented it to them, and at the end of the semester. They saw such improvement that they said, we are willing to pay for uh, four years of college or at least pay for the tuition fees. Yeah. And I just had to cover all the rest. And uh, you guys, that is amazing. Yeah. That's huge. That I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life at that point. I said, you know what? This my I have purpose. I want to be able to improve the lives of others that have been in situations or even people that aren't even in a situation as, as hard as mine or because there are a ton that had it worse than I do than I did 
that there is a way. There's an alternative. There's a way to do something natural and support your body's own systems to develop a stronger, healthy human being again. Yeah. And uh, I did it. I fixed it all myself. I went into college. I got my my uh, my degree in exercise science. That's awesome. And then I went on and got a, certifi- a certification in uh, strength and conditioning. I was a strength coach for a while. Then I became a movement efficiency coach, um, a master level nutritionist through Precision Nutrition. Uh, I just I kept going on and on and on as much as I could, and now I run a full gym. Yeah. With all of everything that I've learned, I try to help and teach my people. I really appreciate the movement aspect that you teach your client because I had a brain injury, and so. I lacked the movement in my right side. And so for him to focus so much on the movement aspects, it's uh, really helpful. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. And what I can say about that is that Shane has improved incredibly since I've, since I've been starting, since I've been, how long we've been doing? Two years? Um, Yeah. Two years about, about, about two years. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. He's shown tons of improvement in rotation and uh, just being able to function better as a human being. Yeah. And there's still a lot of progress. There's still a lot oh, yeah. of things that, that need to go on. And, uh, you know, we'll see what we, where we can take it, you know. Um, Shane's story is incredible, you guys. You'll, you'll, you'll hear that one. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's awesome to work with somebody like you uh, and uh, – just to do this with people. I'm sure that's awesome. the most rewarding part is working with certain people. Mm-hmm. Like, and getting to know their stories and getting to, to know how they overcame certain things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's kind of what you talk about at the gym, you know? Yeah. So here's the routine, you guys. Here's Here's what... Because I kind of it, it, I kind of said, well, I scheduled everything and I, I presented it to them and they helped me. But here's here's really what I did. So, um, exercise on a regular basis. We all know we need to do that, right? But I don't mean just like going on for a long distance type of thing. I mean like um, multiple modalities of exercise. So then you can work your muscles, you can work your your cardiorespiratory system, you can work power, you can work rotation, you can work so many different aspects. And then I add in uh, high intensity. I started this before before any of this stuff was popular, before they even had the term hit. Um, I would do lots of intervals. Reason is because you get a a, a heavier release of of dopamine to calm yourself, to make yourself yourself feel better you get a pretty heavy hit of dopamine from that exercise. You also release what's called brain-derived neurotropic factor. So that nootropic factor um, helps increase the signaling of new brain cells to develop. And uh, when you develop new brain cells, you have the capacity to increase your knowledge, your intelligence, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's something that... that little, you know, fitness hack for you. Add in those those hit exercises and all that kind of stuff. Not only just for what it does for the body, but what it does for your brain. Um and uh and uh all the the uh, neurology that goes on up in in the brain. So, I did that. And then ex- uh along with the exercise, of course, eating healthy foods that were fresh. Um uh fruits, vegetables on a regular basis. I stopped eating fast food. I stopped eating um, as many of those uh, processed packaged foods, candy, all that kind of stuff. In fact, I haven't even, I think I went almost almost 20 years now. Well, yeah. You know, with, without, without, like a, without a donut, yeah. without a, um, a soda, without, you know. Minimal sugar. Yeah, minimal sugar. Yeah. Um, now I'll have some, some natural stuff and we'll use, we'll use, you know, natural stuff in my home and, and uh, I'll get some organic sugar and, and things like that in. But yeah. I try to limit the processing of things, the overly processed foods, because of how much inflammation they create in the body. And we know that inflammation is going to lead to uh, damaged uh, tissues in the body and your brain and increasing that stress cycle. We'll talk about this another time. Yeah. But uh, get into some of the science of that. But um, 
And then on top of that, one thing that really, really helped, so I have exercise, nutrition, was I started self-talk. Yeah. Affirmations, right? This mm-hmm. is where the, the David Goggins thing came in. What was it? Mm-hmm. Did you say David yeah. Goggins earlier? Yeah. So um, looking into the mirror and, and saying to yourself that you are strong, you're fit, you're healthy, you can overcome the trials that come your way. You are mentally resilient. I have a positive mental attitude. I had a whole list. I still yeah. do. And, and they change from time to time. And when you say that type of thing, it's just amazing how good you feel mm-hmm. and how much you believe it. Yeah. You start believing it yeah. more and more. And yeah. the, what's crazy is the more you believe it, the more you emotionalize it, the more it goes to your subconscious mind. And then the you more start becoming true. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that... That kind of thing helped me so much, um, and uh, in- improving improving not only just my body but my spirituality, and uh, just becoming the type of person that I wanted to be, and getting to the point where it all became habit, where I switched from all those negative habits to brand new habits that have now developed into the me into the person that I am, and uh, my hope for everyone is that they can do the same thing. Yeah. That that even if even if we're not the influencers, even if we're not the ones that are influencing you, somebody out there influences you to make that tiny change that will make such a huge impact in your life. Like Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. Yeah. It, it takes discipline to get the freedom. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Um yeah, there's no way I would have gotten to where I was if oh, I yeah. wasn't disciplined. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's, uh, obviously there's things that I, I lack. I'm probably not the most organized person in the world, but, um, I know, I know my priorities. But if you focused on that, you would become, oh a, yeah, for sure. Yes. For sure. It's just, I know where my priorities yeah. are and I have priorities that, that fall into place that, I live a great life, you guys. I, I feel awesome. Um, and my family's great. We feel healthy. Uh, I feel like I, I can overcome anything. And with a lot of the stuff that's happening right now, we got to stay strong, mentally especially. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to close this out with a question. And it's a question that I think we're going to ask a lot of people. But the question is, what is one dream that you have yet to accomplish? Mm, okay. Because um, I am, what I would say, living you know, the, my dream. And, and, of course, it gets bigger. The, yeah. Once you get there, you're like, it keeps getting bigger, right? Um, wow. This is a good question. <laughs> I should have I should have thought about this one first. Uh, so, really, something that I I feel like I probably haven't accomplished that's still out there that I'm still working towards would be to have truly, fully, one hundred percent financial freedom. Yeah, we've that's definitely huge. Yeah, we've definitely gotten to the point where where I'm making more than, you know, I, I actually more than I ever thought I would. Yeah. And, uh, um, which is interesting because then that changed. And then I started telling myself that I wanted to do that. Yeah. Right. So it is, I am making what I thought I would <laughs> now, but not when I was a kid, I never imagined that. Um, but, but not only what, it's not just having wealth, it's what it means to my time. So I would say let's let's change that from financial freedom to what it really means, which is time freedom. Yeah, time. For sure. So then I can spend time with with whoever you can prioritize. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. If my if that 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 would be that'd be the number one dream. Yeah. Which would incorporate me having a gym that's fully operational, to where I can leave for a full month and come back and it's still running. The way it needs to yeah, be, that and, would be and that, that would be awesome. Awesome. So it's getting there. Yeah. It is. I got you know. I'm I'm hiring coaches and things like that, and it, it's gonna it, it'll continually get better. But uh, that's yeah, that's that's probably what it is. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, we're going to try and record pretty frequently. And um, thanks for listening. All right. Okay. Okay, stay strong, stay healthy. There's a bottom to the ocean. Dig deep enough, you might find the potion. Live long enough, you might find the motion. The rhythm and precision that underlies commotion. I'm wandering, traveling, the mountain in my spine. Shape the great wall, the fountain of my mind. My body is a continent full of bloody rivers. Take a step onto it and drown in my liver. Stardust beside me, illuminate the atoms. If I shine and hide me from God like Adam. Nomadic by habit, a savage. I have this dream that gleams in the past. Passage of madness, passionate, life is a flashing it, moves fast, passes quick, no use stashing it, death has a hell of a memory, when it sends for me, it sends for me, prepare mentally, never been a friend of me, meditate, set it straight, no need to hesitate, rituals, habitual, live life is critical, determined, inner sermons, eradicate the vermin, discipline, learning, inner wheels churning, a monk on the road travels inwards, philosophies surge and enter my center. A day of exploration, the depths of my soul, my destination, the life that I am facing. Cause life's a quest and I question. Life's a test and I'm testing. Take the lies and undress them and fly in the right direction. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.